Good morning. It's still morning, it's not afternoon yet. <laughs> uh, well, I want to welcome you today. Uh, it's good to be with you. If you're new with us, uh, we are in a series right now called Jesus Is, <clears throat> and we're looking at different aspects of uh, Jesus' life and, and of his character and kind of who he is. And today, what we're going to be talking about is Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our healer. And I really love the title of this series because notice it's not Jesus was, dot, dot, dot. It's Jesus is. And we really, we believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, and, and which we're actually going to be celebrating here in about a month at Easter. And it really does entirely change the way we talk about today's topic, which is healing, you know, it'd be easy to just take a historical look at what Jesus did way back when, um, when he was on the earth, but he is alive and he's active today. Jesus is just as much our healer today as he was back then. And I think this gives resonance to the healing accounts that we read in scripture, that they were just the first of many, that they were just the beginning. Now, in a room this size, I don't know what our perspectives are on healing. Maybe you grew up with healing. Maybe it's really normal for you to, to automatically hear of someone not feeling well and want to pray for them and, and see them healed. Um, but then there might be some of us here that if we're honest, we're just skeptics. Or it just sounds a little bit too good to be true. Or, or maybe you've been burnt in the past. Maybe you've gotten prayer or you've prayed for someone and it hasn't. You haven't seen the healing that you expected or you wanted. Or maybe you've just, you've never really had much experience with it at all and that concept of healing is very new to you. In theory, you're like, yeah, sure, Jesus was you know, a good healer back then. But is Jesus our healer today? Is he our healer today? And I know that that's a, that's a question that we can easily want to shelf. I mean, I mean, healing, it's, it's, really, it's really nebulous to us. Uh, it's really not normal to talk about it. Now, health and healthcare is definitely something of great importance in our society. It's a billion dollar business, and I'm truly grateful for all of modern medicine and all it gives. But with such amazing resources in our day, do we really need Jesus to be our healer? What's interesting about healing is a lot of times we cannot guarantee success. And that's hard for us. We wanna guarantee that we're not gonna look stupid when we pray for somebody, or that we're not gonna get it wrong, or that we're not gonna you know, make somebody feel worse you know, after we've prayed for them. Or, uh, it's hard because it's not in our control. It's not in our control. And you know, our society, I don't know if you realize, but it demands control. I mean, we demand and expect to have control of our lives and, and we don't wanna wait or be dependent on anybody. <laughs> and we especially don't like putting an effort or risking for an uncertain outcome. I just, is that worth it? But what we see in scripture is that what we're gonna look at today is that Jesus' healing ministry was, it was holistic, it was powerful, and it was compassionate. And yes, it was a sign pointing to himself as, as the king and the savior of the world. And yes, it was, it was uh, evidence of the kingdom of God breaking through, but that wasn't the only reason why that we see Jesus heal. 
I really believe that it wasn't just a PR campaign for God, you know, but that it actually was because Jesus loves to heal, that he really loves the world. You know, in, in Exodus 15, 26, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. It's really in his character. It's out of love that he wants to meet our needs from the smallest to the greatest. And to that end, Jesus himself would even go to the cross. He would go to the cross so that by his stripes, we could be healed. And not just for eternity one day, but to see the glimpses of the kingdom come here in our midst. So let's just pray, and we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. Lord Jesus, we believe you're already here. We believe your presence is with us, God, but we do ask for more. Lord, would you really make yourself known to us today? Lord, let, us, this, let this not just be a discussion uh, with a bunch of words. Let this be something that resonates with us deeply. God, would you use it to, to speak to us today? Would you keep our hearts soft to hear from you? And, and I pray, God, you would get the glory today. Lord, I, feel, I just really feel in my spirit, you're gonna do some sweet things today. And, and we just say yes to that, Lord. We invite you and we lay this time at your feet. It will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we see the accounts of Jesus' healing ministry in what we call the Gospels, which are the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and I don't know about you, but I really love reading the Gospels, some of my favorite parts of the Bible, because I get to see God with flesh on, right? You get to see God with flesh on. He really becomes real to us when we look at and read his stories in, in the Gospels. Uh, it becomes less of just a set of beliefs or this religion for me or just a bunch of theories. It's, it really becomes, he becomes somebody I can have a relationship with. And he becomes some, someone that I can actually get to know and be known by. And what we see at the end of the book of John is John was one of the disciples of Jesus, and after observing Jesus firsthand for three and a half years, John writes this in John 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And then later on in, in 21, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Whew, I wanna read those books someday. I wanna be in heaven in the library just going, okay, so what'd you do here? What'd you do then? I wanna see those, I wanna see those, record, those recorded uh, books one day and read of those miracles and healings that, that aren't recorded in the Gospels. But the ones that are, they actually make up one-fifth of the Gospel. One-fifth of the Gospels. It's all devoted. One-fifth is devoted solely to, to Jesus' divine healings. The attention given to healing is far greater than any other kind of experiences recorded in the Gospels. And that should really say something to us today. That should say something to us. So what we're gonna look at here in, in the Gospels, we're gonna look at first what Jesus heals. And that's our first point, just what does Jesus heal? And, 
And what we, what we see is there are at least about 41 distinct healings that are recorded in the Gospels. And in Matthew 9:35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. We see Jesus healing adults. We see him healing kids. We see him healing chronic conditions and acute illnesses. We see him healing crowds, which the text actually says multitudes. I mean, it could have been thousands upon thousands of people. And he heals the individual. He healed people that were full of faith. And he healed people that were full of doubt. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. He healed the crippled. He healed the epileptics. He healed the lepers. He healed the Jews and the non-Jews. He healed the deserving and the undeserving, and he healed the grateful and the ungrateful. But Jesus didn't just heal physical needs. He didn't just heal physical needs. Jesus is, and he was, interested in healing the whole person. The whole person. Divine healing really is the process of restoring wholeness to our physical bodies, but also our mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual selves as well. It involves healing memories, and it involves healing relationships and marriages, and it involves gaining hope for our whole lives. That's the kind of healing that that God has for us. You know, the Jews, they actually have a word for what what the world would be like when the Messiah came. And the the word was shalom. And it means wholeness, completeness, well-being, and peace. The word shalom is used today as a greeting in Israel. And it's uh, become a substitute for the word hello and goodbye. But it really means health and prosperity in every realm of life. When Jesus came, he came to bring shalom into our lives. Shalom, true wholeness, true health and well-being. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, and I get to pick my favorite stories because I'm up here, <laughs> is uh, the story of the bleeding woman. Who's, who's heard the story of the bleeding woman? <clears throat> now, you know, if you read the Gospels, you've, you've probably you know, stumbled over it a couple times. Um, but for any of us that have struggled with chronic pain or illness, she's our girl, you know? <laughs> she, she's, uh, she's been struggling for 12 years with a condition of bleeding. And, and back then, when you had any kind of condition of bleeding, you were considered unclean. And so she would have been segregated and separated, kind of an outcast. Uh, she would have lived outside of the town. And really, honestly, because anything she touched or anyone she touched would also be considered unclean, and they would have to go through the ritual of cleansing. And so whenever she would have to go into the town, she would actually have to shout the words, unclean, unclean, just in case somebody didn't know she was coming, you know? I don't know how, how, I mean, consider how hard that would have been, how demoralizing that would have been just to go get water for the day or, or to, go, to go see your family from a distance and to have to shout unclean as you walked into the, the, the city that was once your home. I mean, I can't even imagine. And we pick up her story in Luke 8, verse 43. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak 
and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, uh, the people are crowding and pressing around you. <clears throat> but Jesus said, no, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out from me. And, and the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Mm. You just think about that for a second. After years of suffering, immediately her condition's just gone. It was over, 12 years of isolation, 12 years of pain and suffering gone, and yet, her story doesn't end there. Ah, her story doesn't end there. If you know this story, you remember Jesus is on his way to heal a dying girl who's also 12 years old, interesting, and, and he turns around in the crowd, and instead of rushing ahead to meet the urgent need, he stops, and he says, who, who touched me? And, and I mean, think about it, he could have kept walking. He could have kept walking, knowing that someone had been healed. You know, great, somebody got healed, woohoo, gotta keep going. But he doesn't, he turns around. And then when she hears him say this, she falls at his feet and trembling with fear, she tells him the whole truth. And then Jesus kneels down, I can just see the kindness in his eyes and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. <clears throat> For the first time in 12 years, her name is not unclean anymore. It's daughter. It's daughter. And she's the only woman recorded in scripture ever to be called daughter by Jesus. He stopped because he wanted her to be whole, not just healed. He wanted her to be whole, not just healed. Jesus cares about our whole selves, and he took this bleeding woman from obscurity and he made her family. After 12 years of her name being nothing more than just unclean, he, uh, you know, a, a disease, someone to be avoided, she was a curse, she was cursed, and, and, and now she had a name of inclusion. She was the beloved daughter, restored to her people and to her God, and I mean, talk about emotional, relational, and spiritual healing. There's just a few words she's completely restored. You know, many times in the Gospels, what we see when Jesus encounters someone who needs healing, he will ask them a question, like, what do you want? And it's kind of funny and puzzling sometimes when you're kind of like, eh, isn't it obvious? You know, Jesus, you know, they, they have leprosy or they're blind or, you know, but I don't think Jesus asks this question over and over again to get information for himself. I think many times it's to stir something within that person, something deeper. Do you really want to be healed? You know, do you, do you, do you really want to be healed? Is that it? You know, and, and it starts to stir something within us and, and really what it is, is is that soul's longing for, for true shalom, that deep longing for wholeness, not just healing. You know, I was able to pray for a girl just last week and, and when I was praying for her, I felt the Lord just impress on me the word more and he said, she is longing for more and that longing is good. Tell her that it's good and that it's me, that's that's a good thing, it points to me. 
She just doesn't believe that I can fill it. And I was like, okay, and, and so I took a risk and I said, I feel like the Lord is saying that your desire for more in your life is a good thing and that it's pointing you to Jesus and that he wants to meet and satisfy your needs and when I said that, she broke down crying. And I was like, whoa, okay. And, and, and she said, after she you know, wiped away the tears, she said, you know, I didn't even realize that's what I needed. But that's exactly what I've been longing for. It's the need that underlies the need, you know, that's on the surface. And, and she told me, she said, I feel so seen by the Lord, so seen. So what do we want? What do you want? Hmm. You know, I know it can be hard to look at our needs, to look at our longings, because so often they're unfulfilled, right? That's hard, it's uncomfortable, but but I really believe that beneath the layers, God is revealing our deeper need and longing for him. He's pointing to himself. There's a reason why we hunger and, and there's a reason why we fast. I mean, some of you are fasting during the season of Lent. And of course, yeah, we do that to create space for God, but, but we also do that to link sometimes our physical hunger to our spiritual hunger for God, our spiritual hunger for God. Now second, let's look at how Jesus heals. Let's look at how Jesus heals. And what I'm not gonna talk about here is, is necessarily the methods that he used, like what he said or what he, did, what he did to heal someone. Not that that's bad at all, but we can get stuck sometimes on looking for those special little tricks, you know? We wanna know what the ratio of mud to saliva was so that we can you know, heal the blind like Jesus did, you know? And we do, we, we sometimes can get, have that tendency to wanna, wanna talk about things that we can measure and things that we can predict and control uh, but I just want to look at something deeper here. And, and, and as a side note, you know, if you really genuinely are, are, you're curious, how do I pray for people? You know, how, how, what does it look like to pray for healing? We actually have a class, an equip class that we, we teach, uh, and it's called How to Pray Like Jesus. And we really break down all the different methods that Jesus used to pray for people. And, and uh, we, we talk through the five-step prayer model, which is a great model the Vineyard uses, real simple model, to help us walk through and gain traction when we pray for people. Uh, so I definitely recommend that class. But last week, uh, Michael talked about Jesus' humanity, and he touched on this topic of dependency, that Jesus was dependent on the Father, and, and that is just as true when we talk about the miraculous signs of Jesus in healing. That is just as true. Jesus healed not from his own strength, but out of a response to the Father's leading. Out of the response of the Father's leading, he laid down his divinity for dependency. He laid it down. Jesus' power to heal came from a place of intimacy and dependency and obedience on the, with the Father. That's where his power came from. And, and in John 5, he says this. He says, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And if that's true, if that's true, that Jesus didn't heal from his own power, from his own strength, but from the Father's, then he really does become our ultimate prayer model. He becomes our ultimate prayer model. 
He just relied on his own power and his own strength, you know? Whenever he got in a pickle, he just threw off his glasses, donned a cape, and saved the day. Well, then we can't model that. We can't, because we don't have capes. No, we, we don't have that kind of power, right? We're not divine. Uh, we don't have that. But if it's a matter of cooperating with what God is doing, it, we can all learn how to recognize and how to cooperate with what God is doing more effectively. We can all do that. You know what I love to see? Is that sometimes Jesus would fast and pray the day before in preparation out of, out of response to what the Lord was saying, prepare because I'm gonna do this tomorrow. And so he'd fast and pray and then he would deliver someone the next day. And it's like, wait a minute, you would have had to know that the day before. And he was always following the Father's leading. And you know what else I love? I love Jesus actually had to pray a couple times just to see somebody healed. I, I love that. That is so encouraging to me because how many times have we prayed and nothing's happened? And Jesus is our model. We remember, well, hey, if Jesus had to pray twice, then I have to, you know, I probably should pray twice too. And, and that's just so helpful when we pray for other people. And I also love seeing that Jesus... He was never at the mercy of people's needs. He was never at the mercy of people's needs around him. He knew what the Father had called him to do and what he had not called him to do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look, I don't know, when I look in the world and, and I look in my, my family and my friends and my community and my church and I see the brokenness and I see the pain and I see the suffering, I get overwhelmed. I'm like, where do I start? And God's like, that's not the point. <laughs> you gotta follow me, Heather. It's not about starting. You just follow me. You follow me. And we see this in Mark 1 with Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then Simon and his companions went looking for him. And, and when they found him, they said, uh, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. <laughs> no, they didn't say it in that voice. But, and he replied, well, Actually, we're gonna go somewhere else. We're gonna go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. That's why I've come. Now Jesus wasn't stingy with his time or his resources. Because what we know about this story, when we read it in context, is actually the night before, he was up all night ministering to the multitudes. And then he woke up early. Oh, whew, that's the power of God right there, just to be able to wake up early after a whole night of you know, healing the multitudes. So he's not stingy, uh, and, he's, and he's not um, trying to pull in his resources, but he's always returning to that place of intimacy with the Father. That's where he gets his directions, is from the Father, not from the needs around him necessarily. Jesus is our true model, and it's, and it's not just technique, it's dependency on God's spirit. Because the onus, thank the Lord, the onus is not on us to heal. It is not on us to heal. It is our job to simply follow him and love people well. You know, Mark Marks, who's the, the founder of Healing on the Streets, is a vineyard ministry, it's wonderful. We actually have one here in Columbus that meets faithfully every Saturday morning at the State House, and they set up chairs and they pray for people. I have just so enjoyed hearing the testimonies of how God has met people just by sitting down and, and inviting the Holy Spirit to come, and, and this is what he says. He says, Jesus heals, we don't. 
Jesus heals, we don't. We just pray our best prayers. I love that. We just pray our best prayers. We also see in the Gospels that Jesus uses very few words when he prays. I think this is important because I think it, it again points to the fact that it's not in the magical words that he uses, but it's in the authority and the power that he has from the Father. That's why he doesn't have to talk a lot. It's not about the words. It's about the power and authority that he has from the Father, knowing that that's what he's supposed to do that day. Now, I know that our tendency can be, uh, my tendency can be, that when I'm praying for someone with a great need, I want to just start talking, you know? I want to start filling that, that space with words because I'm, I'm just, I, I feel really bad and I want, to, I want to help, right? But a lot of times what we see with Jesus is that we just need to wait. We need to be okay with the awkward silence for a little bit and say, hey, let's just wait on the Lord because it's not about my fancy words. Let's be honest. It's about the power of God and his heart to want to heal you. So let's just wait on him and see how he wants us to pray. You know, my mother-in-law was here a couple years ago. It was her first time visiting. I think it was her first time visiting. And, and Penny was doing a sermon on how to pray like Jesus. And, and at the end of the, the, the service, we did a ministry time like we always do. And, and she had people stand in their seats and, and those that were surrounding them uh, prayed over the person that needed, needed healing. And I remember I was in the very back uh, with my daughter and, and my husband and a couple other people were praying and, and, and not a lot of words were used. I mean, they, were, they had their hands on their knees and, and I think they said, you know, healing come in the name of Jesus. You know, we, you know, we tell arthritis to leave right now in the name of Jesus. And, and Penny was kind of coaching us through what to, what to pray, but there was very few words. And then Penny said, okay, now I want you to try to move whatever it is and, or maybe express as the pain lessened at all. And, and so my mother-in-law, she does this. She's standing there, you know, like nothing's really happened. But she, she bends down, just bends down. And when she did it, her knees went pop, 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 pop. And I was like, I could hear it from the back of the auditorium. I was like, what just happened? And then she goes down and up again and down and up again. And she's like, guys, I am completely healed. I have no pain in my knees at all. And what was miraculous was that it wasn't a bunch of fancy words. It was just the power of God. And it was just amazing, amazing. Because it, what it does, it puts a glory on God, not on us. It's like, praise the Lord. She's healed. Her arthritis just gone like that. It's just amazing to see the Lord work in those ways. And, and so lastly, what I want to talk about is just simply why Jesus heals. Why Jesus heals. That's our last point. And you know, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's really clear. He states his purpose for why he's come. And he says in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's powerful. You know, Jesus didn't just go around preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God, which is the dynamic rule and reign of God, but he also went around doing the works of God. Jesus had a message. He had good news to share, but he also had a ministry to back it up. Jesus entered the world precisely because the world was not functioning the way that he intended it to. 
And he came to destroy the enemy's work. Your reign and rule enemy, it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. And reclaim what was rightfully his. To save, to heal, to free his people, not just for eternity, but for today. But that's the big picture why. That's the big picture why. But I don't think when Jesus would come up to, and we see this in scripture, when come up to someone who is you know, in need, who needed healing, I don't think he thought, okay, well now I'm gonna demonstrate the kingdom of God, here I go. I don't think that's what he was thinking. And we actually know this because we see it in scripture. We see over and over again, Jesus is moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. I love the story in Mark 1 of Jesus healing the leper. And again, back then, lepers, same with the bleeding woman, lepers were, anytime they'd go into town, they'd have to shout, unclean, unclean, and and they were usually um, segregated into a leper colony. And I mean, think about it, that was a very, very um, catching disease back then. And, And so they weren't allowed to touch anyone or anything. And here he comes, and in Mark 1, verse 40, a man with leprosy came and he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Whew. Think about that. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. He says, Sozo, I am willing, be healed. And it leaves immediately. I don't think Jesus, it ever escapes people that, or escapes Jesus, that people are human, that they're beloved humans. They're not what their disease names them. You're not a leper, you're my son. You're, you're my daughter. And we see this in how Jesus interacts with those that he heals. Here's this leper, think about it, who hasn't been touched for probably years, and Jesus touches him. He's worth his time. He's worth his attention and care. And this real compassion that comes from the heart of God, it enables us to see people It activates our faith and and, and our ability to go and do, to go and do. You know, when when Adam and I first came to this church, I remember hearing stories and testimonies, I mean, over and over again when we first came, of of women who who had really wanted to be pregnant, who were told, like, you're never going to have a baby. And then they would get prayer, and then we'd find out you know, that they were pregnant. And we even have those children running around in children's ministry right now. I mean, they're miracle babies. It's amazing. And, and I remember Adam and I just went, wow, this is so cool. And, and a couple months later, we had friends over for dinner, and they were from out of town. And we had known that they had been trying to have kids. Uh, but when you're sitting you know, and having a meal with somebody, and you ask them how they're really doing, and... We just started to hear their story of all they had been through. I mean, we had no idea what they had been through over those, those couple years. And, and just hearing their story, just, I mean, I remember just having such a heart of compassion uh, for them. And, and it was great. Adam was, my husband was like, you know, just in boldness. He's like, you know what? Our church, we've been praying and we've been seeing people, you know, women, they're getting pregnant all over the place. So we're going to pray for you. <laughs> and so, 
so we, we just, out of boldness, we just, and compassion, we prayed for them. And, and we found out a couple months later that they were pregnant. And praise the Lord. And, and that they were pregnant with twins. And, and just last week, those twins turned a year old. And I, it's just such glory to God. Amen? Yeah. But it's so interesting how God will lead us through compassion. He'll even activate our boldness through compassion. And I don't, I don't believe that God just gives us compassion so that we feel something. I don't think it's just so that we feel something. It empowers us to take action. Real compo- compassion empowers us to take action. And, and I think God really does give us compassion for people, even people we don't know, uh, for a reason and for a purpose. Uh, real compassion compels us, it should compel us to move out of ourselves, to you know, step out, out of ourselves, out of our comfort zones, out of our insecurities, and engage with people in genuine and authentic ways. You know, compassion is much more than just pity. Much more than just pity. Pity is just feeling bad for somebody. Uh, and then returning to life is normal, you know? You just keep driving on by or you switch the channel. Or, and even John Wimber says, he says, loving one another is easy when you're watching television. <laughs> but when you have to do things with people, some you don't even like, much less love, that's where the rubber starts to really meet the road, yeah. Compassion should stir something up in us that's, that's deep. It should grip us down deep in our gut. It should make us mad. It should make us sad. It should make us want to move all at the same time. It grabs you deeply. And it's because you start to see the person's worth. You see how God sees them. And you start to see the problem at hand and how it's hurting and limiting them and the way the enemy is trying to take them down. And you're like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And and you, you have this boldness and this authority You know, boldness and authority, by the way, it doesn't come with how loud you pray. It doesn't. Or with what kind of confident tone that you pray. That's not where authority comes from. And it doesn't come from, you know, the certainty in our voice or how much we know or even what worked last time. Because the power doesn't come from us. It comes from our healer, Jesus. From Jesus. You know, a good question for us to ask ourselves, do we even look long enough at people to notice if someone's in pain? Do we even notice? Or can we be so distracted by our own thoughts or by the technology in our hand that we don't even take the time to look at the person who just served us that food or to, to talk to the person, ask them how they're doing, the person that's doing your, I, I, had, a, I had a three hour, I think maybe it was four hour hair appointment once because I asked that question. It wasn't because I have a lot of hair, it was because I asked and I really genuinely wanted to know how this girl was doing and boy, she just poured out. People need people who are willing to listen and ask, and we've heard testimony after testimony of, of people who have said, you know, I, I just looked up at my waiter or waitress and I, and I saw like something in their eyes and I just said, hey, we're gonna pray for our food. Is there anything we could pray for you for? And they just broke down crying right there in the restaurant. I mean, so many ways that when we just take time to notice, boy, God can just break through. 
It will change the way that you pray. It'll change you. It'll change you. Trust me. You know, I've noticed over the years that more and more, it's less about method for me. It's more about, God, what are you showing me? God, what are you showing me here? Not just here, but here. I mean, he'll just pour a deep love for someone in my heart, and I'm like, I'm gonna pray out of that place, out of a place of care that I, that I feel like the Lord is just filling me with, out of a place of boldness. You know, and that's, that's not just unique to me. You know, in Romans 5, 5, it says, hope doesn't put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit? We all have the Holy Spirit. Those that say Jesus is our Lord, we've got the Holy Spirit, and guess what? He's already poured that love in you. You know, it, we, sometimes we, we doubt. We doubt, but God has, he has everything at our disposal if we just ask. You know, I was at a, a vineyard conference a couple years ago. It was a healing conference. I always like to go to those. I usually sit in the back. And, and I'm just, I'm all curious. I'm always, you know, wanting to see God heal and, and you know, that, that zeal in me just bubbles up and I'm like, okay, let's do this. And, and, I, and I'm worshiping in the beginning of the service and there's this uh, mom and dad in front of me and their young, like, adult son um, standing right in front of me. And every time I'd start to sing again when we were worshiping, uh, he would turn around and look at me and I could tell, like, he had some sort of special need and, and, and he would just stare at me while I was singing and I just... As I looked at him, I just love a God just for this kid uh, really poured into me and I just smiled at him and I was thinking, boy, I just hope he sees Jesus, you know, in my smile. I hope he just sees Jesus. And, and, and I'm thinking the whole time, you know, God, if you did it back then, you can do it today. So, you know, I'm like, I'm, I want to pray for this, this young guy and, and, and just getting excited, feeling the heart, you know, just the Lord's heart for this guy. And, and so then the service starts and, and the speaker comes up and starts to speak and, and the moment he does, I can tell this young man is really agitated. And so he starts you know, um, just rolling around a little bit more and, and he's starting to make some noise and, and I could tell his parents were kind of like, oh, do we need to take him out? You know, and they're looking at one another and I'm like, no, don't leave. Like I really wanna pray for this guy. And, and so I did something crazy. I was like, name it Jesus, peace. You know, just peace over this guy. You know, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. It was the course, like, oh my goodness. He laid his head on his dad's shoulder and out. He was just out. And he slept throughout the entire sermon. It was wonderful. And so at the end, you know, we got to break up, pray for people. I came back to my seat and they were still there. And I introduced myself and, and said, I would just love to pray for you guys. Has anyone prayed for you? And, and they introduced me to, his, to their son. And the moment I touched him, just started weeping. I'm like, okay, this is not normal for me. I don't always weep like this when I pray. Usually I want the focus to be on the person, not me. And I'm just weeping and, and praying just that miraculous healing would come. And, and I even prayed for his parents. And, and I remember asking, you know, is, how you doing? And, and he's very nonverbal, so I could tell you, well, maybe, maybe God did something. I don't know. And uh, it was just really sweet. I felt really honored to get to pray for them and, and just get to, to talk with them and and I kind of thought, well, that was that. And then a couple weeks later, they showed up at this church. 
And I thought, oh, that's why you gave me a heart for him. And, and I walked straight up to them and they saw me and gave, gave Nick the biggest hug. And, and I was like, this is why God gave me a heart for them, so I can keep praying. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I find that it's such a gift when God gives you a heart for someone when he moves something and you feel like, wow, I'm really drawn to that person or I'm really just feel like, uh, I can almost feel an empathy with that person in a way that I don't normally. Um, I think God can use that in a powerful, powerful way. So in closing, Jesus modeled divine healing so many times in the Gospels, such a prolific, prolific experience in the Gospels because He wants us to go out and do the same. He wants us to go out and do the same. Jesus gave away his ministry. You see this over and over, he gave away his ministry. He didn't just hoard it for himself. He's not like one of those TV healers that we just flip on by, you know, when we're (laughs) surfing the the channels. He's not somebody who says, you know what, you you gotta come up here. You've gotta come up here to where, you know, so I can heal you. Jesus was always giving it away. And we see this right away with the 12 disciples. In Luke 9, he says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And and guys, they came back with crazy stories. Like, you know, they listened to me, the demons left. You know, it's cool to read that section of of scripture. And then then Jesus gave it away even further. He gave it away to the 70. And and then right before he ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, he, he gave it away to all of us in the Great Commission. And he says, guys, it doesn't end with me. It doesn't end with me. Go, keep doing the stuff. He even says in John 14, 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We believe that Christians are called and empowered to do the works of the kingdom. John Wimber would say over and over again, everybody gets to play, right? Everybody gets to play. Nobody sits on the bench in the church of God, (laughs) in the church, Um, from the youngest to the oldest, no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your age, everybody gets to play. There's a low barrier entry, right? You breathe in, great, you get to pray. (laughs) And uh, Robbie Dawkins even says this in his book. He says, God's gift to us is his ability, and our gift to God is our availability our availability, because we know that it's not us. It's the power of God that does everything. And it's more about what he wants to do in that moment and our willingness to risk and say yes to him. Jesus never meant for divine healing to end with him. Every miracle, every act of justice and compassion was pointing to the future day when God would completely set the world right again. And while we wait for Christ's return, we live in the tension of what we call the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And that's why we don't see healings all the time. And we don't see it in the way that we want to all the time. Um, But when Christ returns, he promises that he's gonna wipe away every tear. Wipe away every tear. And his will, 
His good and perfect will will reign forever and ever. And in the meantime, we ask with hope and we ask with expectancy for his kingdom to come and his will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, like he commands us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. I wanna see more and more healings in our church and in our world. And I wanna pray with more boldness, knowing that that is God's heart. Jesus is our healer, right? Jesus is our healer. It's holistic, it's powerful, and it's compassionate. And the invitation is open today to receive healing and to follow Christ in praying for others. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand.